0: R.J.B., thank you very much. Hello,
1: everyone. I am Chris Cuomo. Tonight, primetime will be dedicated to the latest mass shooting in America, this time at a municipal center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Eleven people are dead. At least six others are hospitalized. We're not sure of the condition. The murderer is dead. He entered the building where he was an apparent disgruntled employee. Late this afternoon, he opened fire indiscriminately on multiple floors. Police found a semi-automatic pistol and a rifle so far at the scene, uh, that's from law enforcement. We are told the suspect purchased the firearms legally. Uh, we got word about this situation from an anguished mayor of the city earlier.
2: This is the most devastating day in the history of Virginia Beach. The people involved are our friends, co-workers, neighbors, neighbors colleagues.
1: Uh. Heartbreaking for this community, uh, but so frustratingly familiar for this entire country. Now, we do want the information that we can get. We want to provide it to you when the briefing comes from authorities. We will take it as soon as that happens. But right now, let's bring in Virginia Beach City Councilman Aaron Rouse. Aaron, thank you for joining us. As always, Hate to meet you under these circumstances. Um, You said something today that resonated with me. This is a small community. I've been there. Many people in this country have. Uh, It's tight. Many people are going to be affected by this. They're going to know somebody who was there or know somebody who knows somebody who was. How do you deal with this as a community?
3: Well, Chris, um, I think the first thing we have to do is, uh, you know, make sure the families. Um, know that we are with them, you know, it's not enough to continuously offer our thoughts and prayers. You know, We have to start living by those words in which we pray by, you know, so that's the first thing. Um, second How do you do thing, that? You know, I do want to think of, well, once again, you know, you have to be able to stand up and lead. There's so much fear that's going on in our country today. We have to make sure we, we put those aside. You know, this is the land of the free home of the brave. You know, in Virginia Beach, we have tremendous strength here. And as I said earlier, this will not define us. We will define ourselves. We will show our strength. We will come together. And it starts with not only opening our minds, but opening our hearts and start living by those thoughts and prayers that we see um, countless uh, thoughts and prayers throughout our country.
1: What does that mean to you in terms of, look, you got to be there for the stricken? Uh, those who are fighting for their lives in the hospitals and their families, those who were lost and their families, they're going to be needs immediate ones and then longer term ones. You got to be there. That's a test of a community. But in terms of what you do about this, I mean, I don't have to tell you, you're a young man. You lived through this at Virginia Tech. You were at school at Virginia Tech when that shooting happened. Those were the days when we Mm -hmm. thought we'd be able to stop these, Aaron. And I hate that this has revisited you in your life at such a young age, but now you're in a position of leadership. What does it mean to you that this is the second time you're bitten by the same vice?
3: Well, again, we must learn from the mistakes of our past. You know, we cannot no longer allow this. These terrible acts to continue. and We cannot show, you know, fear. We can't stand up here and, and, and be afraid to take on the tough challenges of uh, whether it be gun laws or now or safety measures to implement within our city and within our country, our leaders, we have to stand up. This is about the safety of our of our community, about our workers, about our public, uh, our first responders. You know, we have to signify um, not only to our, our citizens that you know we we pride ourselves on keeping our environment safe, but also we are conscious about the type of rhetoric and things that we spew out there. In the country that you know, words do matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think I, I go back to here in our community where we do have a, a large presence of military mm-hmm. um, here, in Virginia Beach and Hampton Roads. Um, but once again, you know, we are a prideful community, and I think you know we have to. Our leaders have to stand up, and we have to say no more of this. You know, we have to put our morals and our principles first. You know, it's. it's it's, it's great that you know, people can start GoFundMe pages and we can raise a, you know, a large amount of money to help our victim families, and, and that's very important. But the key aspect here, and I believe that we're missing, is, is, is opening our minds and our hearts and have a lot more tolerance and humility for our neighbors. That's where we start. That's where we're starting here in Virginia Beach, and that's where our strength is going to lie.
1: You know, listen, You're saying the right things. And by the way, uh, I I salute you for saying it early on. You know, very often leaders want to let the community process the pain. But, you know, the pain is the only moment when people are paying attention. The sad reality is, Aaron, it took me a while to track which shooting this is this year, which category it fits under. Is this this a workplace shooting? How many hundreds of those? And what number is this? And where does it rank? And what happens is... In the moment, you remember this from when you were a student, you know, Colin Goddard, your Uh, classmate at Virginia Tech shot five times, made this a big part of his life mission after that to try to get sensible reforms to how do you identify people who are in distress? How do you get them help? How do you get them away from guns? How do we control access more sensibly? We never seem to get there.
3: You know, Chris, I think that the conversation has to be had around, you know, of, of, this pain that we're experiencing here in Virginia Beach today, it'll never go away. You know, and for some families, it, it will be there always. It'll be all, always in our hearts and minds. But they're not alone. You know, we need to share their pain. We need to share and what they're going through right now. And once we do that, you know, we will, we will understand exactly what it means to be at the mercy of your neighbors. Mm. But once again, it goes back to how we treat our neighbors. You know, that, that golden rule. Um, So to speak treat others as you want to be treated and and it's not enough We have these tragic times and as you know at Virginia Tech um, We had those times and we are uh, Virginia Tech strong and now we we are Virginia Beach strong But I can tell you quite frankly after that the massacre at Virginia Tech our community come together in Blacksburg You know Hokies across the world not even Hokies, but American citizens. We came together. Yes, you did So that's something we have to do here in Virginia Beach. We will come together well, you have to let the, those victims and those families know they are not alone. We are in this together. And, and that's what it's America about. You know, we have to get back to understanding because something happens in Florida, because it happens in Virginia or California or, or around the country, that it's not just happening happen in that part of the country. It affects us all, as you can see. And I know we all we, we, we tend to have that. Well, you know, it, it, it hasn't happened here yet. Right. But once it does, how do you respond? And I know how we're, we're going to respond. We're going to come together. We're going to bond. We're going to open our minds. We're going to open our hearts. And we're going to start living by those words uh, that we pray by.
1: You know, look, you, you're going to learn the challenges. You're a tough guy. You were a ball player in school. Uh, you lived through this as part of a community once before. You'll get criticism just for having this conversation. I will, too. But that's the nature of the beast where I am. people are saying, Can you believe that guy Rouse was talking about laws and gun laws right after this happened? Where is his respect for what just happened? And, you know, you're in a tough state for this also. You know, when we were setting it up, you know, we're like a finely tuned machine now on these situations. We know how to ask what questions and what information. Virginia, you can walk into public buildings in Virginia with firearms. You've got police stations that have signs that say, please leave your weapon outside. There's a culture here that you're going to be up against where people are going to say to you, what law would have made a difference? Yeah, and again, I,
3: you know, I believe laws are. Are are put in place for us to you know for society's structure, but as human beings, we have to live above the laws, the structure we place on our society. Where's the the, the thought for your fellow your fellow American, your, and your fellow citizen? Um, Where's where your sincere your your morale uh, is at? And here, you know, again, uh, I think it, it and it really shows the strength of our first responders and those those men and women who put their lives on the uh, their lives on the line every single day. And they confronted this shooter um, and, and and stopped us in this place. But again, the bigger conversation, Chris, is is not the laws that we have implemented in this country. It's. How do we see each other? Mm. How, how are we treating our neighbors? What's, what, is, what is the mindset? What is the mind frame of America where you, you can have differences, yes. but yet you cannot have a, a, a conversation? You are That's what we need right. to be able to, to get back to.
1: That is the part that we never and want to touch. It's, 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 we'll deal with like this guy was in some kind of distress. He was deranged. Who knew? Who didn't know? How do you get him help? Is he mentally ill? Is he not? We'll go through that. We won't do anything about it because it'll come into different conflicts and different priorities. The gun thing, forget it. But then there's this third element that is also uniquely American, Aaron, and you put your finger right on it. There is violence in other cultures, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. turn to deadly violence, deadly intentions the way it does here. When people get angry, Mm -hmm. they are not as quick to decide it's time for me to leave this place and I'm taking as many people as I can with me as we do here. And that's not just about guns. That's not even about mental health. That is about culture and how we see each other, that's a tall task.
3: Indeed. Indeed.
1: Mm. Well, listen, let me ask you one more thing about you personally on this. You lived it as a young man, 2007. Now it's revisited. 2007, April 16th. When Mm. you heard word of this today, what did it mean to you?
3: You know, Chris, I was... um, I was in shock. I was actually with my, my daughter um, who wasn't feeling too well. Um, and when I heard this, I, you know, it, I immediately jumped in into not again, this will not happen again. This cannot happen again. I cannot believe this happened here in Virginia beach, in our great city of Virginia beach. And, you know, I went from a Virginia tech, I, I learned, I went from feeling sorry and, and feeling unhelpless, so now as a as a councilman uh, as i stand before you uh, i'm no longer feeling that way you know i'm i'm, I'm i want to be fear i want to be bold in making sure our community is safe the men and women who we've lost today and the victims and their families they're all just working the kids that i went to school with they're always just trying to get a better education a great start in life i don't want that to happen to anywhere else in america and so we got to have those tough conversations we will have it But it's going to start here in Virginia Beach with humility, with morals, with principles, an open mind and an open heart. We will show our strength here at Virginia Beach.
1: Well, what I can pledge to you, and I do it in every one of these situations. If you decide to fight this fight and you need a place to get word out about what resistance you're meeting and why and what it is and what you think, you got a place here. God bless. I'm sorry to meet you this way, but I salute your intentions to have people treat one another better. That's the root of all of it. And if we can help in any way, we're here. Thank you. All right. Much more to come. We're about to get word of any new information from the authorities there, and there will be. You know, you're all experts in this by now, aren't you? We should think about what that means, that you know everything you need to know in this situation already. It's that familiar. We'll give you the latest next. We've got breaking news of the worst kind. This time it's Virginia Beach. Another mass shooting took place at a municipal center. They are public utility employees. Eleven of them are gone. Six of them are fighting to survive in the hospital. We're awaiting an update and a press conference from authorities. As soon as we get it, we'll give it to you. Uh, But there's some things we should examine here. And I want to bring in Jim Gagliano, retired FBI supervisory special agent, CNN, law enforcement analyst, and unfortunately, a common companion for me all over this country and at uh, studios talking about exactly the same issues as we do tonight. But there is something that familiarity breeds that is not frustrating. Police know how to deal with these situations now so much better than we started this so many years ago. We have some of the comms, the communications between the officers once they reach the most critical moment here. I want you to listen to the comm, listen to the coordination and how they figured out what to do. Here's a sample.
2: He's going be coming out towards the, uh, where the fire gym is, facing south. Clear the air. We have the suspect behind the barricaded door. Stay off the radio. We need a key, card access, right now to the second story, the, uh, north end of the building. Thank you, Bob. I have one of the co-workers in contact with you. 35. I'm coming from the south side. I got a key card. Come down the stairwell with multiple alive. We have him on the other side, 504. He's on the ground. Hold the air.
1: Now, I'm sorry to confuse you. We're, we have live pictures up because we're waiting for the press conference. Obviously, that wasn't the scene that went with the sound. James, the coordination, the poise, the purpose...
4: Will you talk about how we're all becoming so much more familiar with this? For law enforcement, really, this started 28 years ago with Columbine. Mm-hmm. we just spent 20 years. The term active shooter wasn't really used before in our parlance. It's now become so sub- if you talk to a seven-year-old kid, they understand what, a, what an active shooter is. Listening to the police officers, any law enforcement officer that's ever been involved in a tactical resolution, Chris, The the calmness that those officers exhibited right there, keeping the air clear, meaning people can't. We use the term step on each other. Somebody speaks. It cuts out other important things. But you've got to get information quickly and responding officers now, because remember, you and I've talked about this before. We don't contain and negotiate anymore. Those dog day afternoon, 1975, the bank with the throw phone. And, you know, you're sitting there patiently trying to talk. They're coming for you. You have to move to it. That doesn't mean you go in shooting. It means that you have to move to interdict the threat. These instances usually last between five and seven minutes. In this instance, you're trying to figure out a couple things. What type of weapons are they using? I mean, are we equipped? I mean, we know that one of the officers was struck in a bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vests will stop a a handgun round. They're not designed to stop, you know, rifle rounds. Rifle rounds travel around 2,500 feet per second. So you're thinking,
1: unless it was a ricochet... Uh, this officer that was shot and survived because of the vest had to be a handgun.
4: Absolutely. Most police officers wear a level 3 or level 3A vest. They're they're designed to stop handguns. The other important thing here is the information vacuum. When you're responding in that situation, a call goes out, everyone's rushing to the scene now, and you've got to get to the shooter. You don't know how many people. You don't know what the arsenal of weaponry is, and you don't know the motivation, and that is so critical because, yes, there are people that do take hostages, but in so many of these situations, whether it's terrorism or a hate crime or workplace violence or domestic issue or somebody who's mentally unstable any of those situations, you've got to ferret all that stuff out very quickly. Cops have got to be Olympic sprinters, and they've also got to be able to be a mental health professional to try to read the situation and protect lives. It is about getting to the shooter as quickly as possible. It looks like the Virginia police did just that. They took him out as fast as they
1: could, and supposedly the response was, uh, like, shockingly immediate. Let's bring in Phil Mudd. Uh, obviously understands counterterrorism very well, but it's about assessing what this threat was and what could have been known. I mean, very little chance that there isn't going to be somebody who knew something about this uh, particular murderer going the wrong way emotionally, psychologically, whatever, right?
5: I think so. But I'd I'd change the question just a bit, Chris. The question is going to be whether that information is actionable. That is, you're going to find people who say he was disgruntled. I'm sure there are people in the office at that civil facility who will talk about his mindset. He might have friends and family who talk about maybe mental issues in the past. But the question we will get to, like the question we had maybe a year and a half ago in Broward County, Florida, Mm. is whether there was a technical red flag that would have led law enforcement or mental health professionals to say something about, for example, weapons access. It's not just about whether he was unhappy. There's 330 million Americans. It's whether it's actionable. That's the question.
1: Sure. If it was just about being unhappy, uh, th- there'd be more people who, you know, are uh, acted on than not in this country, and that's okay. But it also goes to culture. I don't know if you're able to hear, Phil, but this uh, yeah. young guy who's a councilman down there. He was a student at Virginia Tech when it happened. He was a ball player there and a damn good one, Aaron Rouse, and. He says, you know, he attacks the component that we never talk about. That third one, not mental health, stable motivation, not access to the weapon, but our culture of indifference to each other, our culture of violence. And what you're talking about goes to that, too. It doesn't have to be a red flag that triggers law enforcement culturally. If we had more awareness about being in contact with one another, we would know so much more about people like this than we do right now. I think that's right. And I know I'm supposed to be the tough CIA guy, but every
5: time, and this happens less frequently for me than I'm sure it does for you, every time I get an email that says, hey, Mr. Mudd, I saw you on TV tonight. If I ever see you where you live, I'll beat the crap out of you. How do we encourage people in this country? And that includes moms, dads, school teachers in school to say, look, the resolution to a difference with another person, and this is partly unique to the United States, Mm -hmm. the resolution to a difference isn't to beat the crap out of somebody, because that has an echo effect where you say, maybe it's also for one tenth of one percent of the population to shoot somebody. The, The idea that violence is okay is not
1: acceptable in culture. End of story, Chris. You're right. We don't talk about it enough. I think there's a shame principle. I think that we don't want to admit it about ourselves, Jimmy. I mean, look, you were in the service. Um, Phil was about around some of the worst stuff that humanity has to offer. Um, We are a particularly barbarous culture. Uh, We kill each other at a surprising rate. We fight with each other. We have animus at a rate that is really high compared to other developed cultures. That's part of this.
4: So the planet's what, 4.5 billion years old? Man has been here for about 200,000 years, Chris. And I'd suggest that from the dawn of time, the first man strode the earth, there were violent conflicts. To your point, though, why does it seem like in the last couple of decades that it just seems that there's a greater propensity for arguments and disagreements turning into that? And look, There is a mental health component and yes you can argue there's 335 million americans and there's i think 300 million weapons out there and and people that shouldn't have them have gotten access to some of those but also you can also argue about what we teach our kids the violent video game culture you know you talk about culture we were just talking about that during the break are people becoming anesthetized they're so numb to it because young kids at the age of seven eight nine years old or playing games that are designed for mature audiences. Mm. Is that part of it? Because does it numb them enough where they don't understand that, you know, shooting somebody on a video game, you know, that doesn't translate in real life where we live in polite society and you want to be able to send your kids to school and not worry about them or, or folks go to work and not worry about getting shot?
1: You, gotta le- you have to use moments like this for something. It's not enough to say and it's wrong to say. Be respectful of what just happened. Leave all this other talk at. No, now's the time. Otherwise, you won't, you're not going to pay attention two days from now, let alone two weeks from now. There is no respectful period. And in fact, if there is one, it plays to the immediate. It plays to talking about it now. And look, you know, you've got three guys on your television screen right now. All of us have access to weapons. But it's about your culture and your disposition that I would never think to resolve a conflict that way. But so many of us do. So many people in this society, when they're angry, they don't just think about taking themselves out. They take others out. Why? What do we do about that? How do we speak about it? Aaron Rouse, the youngest guy involved in this conversation, had the most wise things to say. We have to focus on what words we use and how we are with one another. We don't do it. And it's part of the problem. Gentlemen, I need you to stay. We're waiting. We're just minutes away from an update at Virginia Beach. They're going to tell us things that will not surprise you. And we are going to be in a position once again where we have to decide whether or not we use this as a moment to build or is it just another aspect of a horrible new normal? Stay with CNN. All right, there is still a lot we don't know about the latest mass shooting in Virginia Beach. And the good news is, if that's what you want to call it, we're about to get a press conference from authorities there, and that should be helpful. While we're waiting on that, I want to bring in a member of the Virginia Beach City Council. He's been a member of this community for almost four decades. His name is Guy King Tower. Thank you for joining us, sir. When the press conference is ready, I apologize in advance if I cut you off so that we can get to it. But what do you want people to know tonight?
6: Well, I, I, I'd like people to know that Virginia Beach is a lovely city. It's a beautiful city full of beautiful people. I have a great deal of uh, angst over the families of these folks who worked in a building very near where I go when I go to city council meetings. I also had thoughts of my colleague Aaron Rouse. I knew very well that he'd been part of that Virginia Tech horrible day. And I also th- think today of, uh, frankly, of the Dillon Rule and the inability of cities in Virginia to enact gun safety laws. Tell people what the Dillon Rule city is. City councils think is best.
1: Tell, what the is Dillon the Dillon Rule? Or rule or what rule does it mean?
6: The Dillon Rule is a rule that's been around for uh, 150 years that basically says a state uh, a, a state that follows the Dillon rule preempts localities on, on on laws. Local localities in Virginia can only enact laws to the extent that the state government permits mm-hmm. them to enact those laws. And firearms are one of a number of areas where the state in Virginia preempts localities from acting.
1: You know, one of the box we check uh, in anal- analyzing these situations now that we're so familiar with them is, hey, what was the security like at the building? And what did they know? Was this person checked? Uh, was there security there? You know, were all the protocols followed? And obviously, this is a public works building. It's, it's not supposed to be uh, a hardened target. But in Virginia, you are allowed to legally enter buildings with weapons, unless I think if it's a school or a courthouse, uh, you can't. And the anecdote that always comes up is that police stations left signs, please leave your weapon outside. Uh, that is a tough starting point to make change.
6: Yes, uh, I know one city in Virginia, I recall, uh, had to move their city council meetings from the city council chambers to a high school in order to take advantage of that exception that allows the prohibition of guns in schools mm-hmm. because of the number of people carrying guns and the
1: feeling threatened feeling that members of council and the public had about that any data uh, suggests that having more weapons and more accessibility with them has made you safer
6: i i am not a student of the data there so i wouldn't i wouldn't speculate about that but i certainly have a strong gut feeling that uh, so that we need, we
1: need to uh, further restrict at least the licensing of guns in the state. It's hard. It's always hard to come up with a change that would have made a difference here. Now, if you do have this murderer fall into the realm of people uh, who were deranged, uh, mentally ill, if there was something there, then there are changes and protocols that could be put in place uh, that should make it easier to identify and get people help like that. You don't want to demonize the mentally ill either. They're more likely to be victims of violence than they are to be assailants. But, you know, the young man, Aaron Rouse, who lived through this at a tender age in college, He made a point that I hear least often. Mental health matters. Access to guns matters. But the biggest controlling factor in this culture is the propensity for violence. We go after each other in a way that is unusual in developed societies. And he mentioned that. And I want your take on that, the idea of how do you value one another? How do you speak to one another? What do you think is the right way to resolve conflicts with one another? That matters, too. Well, I'm a lawyer by training. I'm also a
6: trained mediator, and my life has been full of trying to resolve conflicts in a peaceful way. Indeed, that's what the law is all about. It, it is, frankly, a way to resolve disputes without resorting to violence. That's, that was how laws first and first came into being. So I'm very comfortable being around people who uh, are disputing. It has been part of my life. And I take great comfort and pride in being able to bring people together. Having said that, um, if someone brought a loaded weapon to uh, one of my mediations or to a deposition in a, in a legal matter, it would be unsettling to me, and I, I wouldn't be able to do my job in that context. I, uh, I think. We should promote. I think mediation is a great way to, uh, uh, promoting it, even in schools. You know, there are lots of schools now that have mediation programs for children to solve their own problems. Yes, they're supervised by adults, of course, but they're, they're they've been quite successful. Yes, and they give some sense of hope.
1: They're for an a underfunded in our part culture. of a curriculum. People say it's a waste that you have to focus on the three R's, but. I think we need to start teaching adults, but certainly also kids, how to treat one another, like a civics class like I used to have when we would grow up. We don't know how to act anymore.
6: Yeah. I saw Aaron's interview with you, Chris, and and, uh, I endorse everything he said. I
1: believe he's right on the money. Well, look, I can tell. Uh, You are understandably uh, affected by this. And I'm sorry for that, councilman. I truly am. I hate to see communities uh, join the ranks of those who have a desperation to never see this happen to anyone else um, and your community is now in that and I do not envy that position as all but Councilman Guy King Tower as I said to Councilman Rouse if there's anything we can do to help with your efforts to improve your community let me know and I will give voice to your concerns and uh, your requests on this show I, that I can pledge everything I appreciate else that very much thank you Chris be well God bless and I'm sorry to meet you this way All right. Let's take a quick break. We're waiting on the authorities. I want to make sure we time out the show right. Let's take a commercial when they're ready to do their press conference. I promise you, I'll bring it to you next. Eleven dead in Virginia. Suspect is dead. Suspect. He did it. Now he's dead. A massive investigation is now underway. Let's bring back James Gagliano and Phil Mudd. We all have all these silly defaults in the interest of fairness. And when this is one of the most unfair situations we have, Phil, to the point we were talking about earlier, as we await the press conference for the latest information, they're starting to come Uh, when they're together. We'll go to it right away. Nobody will have it sooner than we will. I promise you that, Phil. So I put that question if people hear our conversation about how we got to think about culture here. And why we need to learn to treat people better. And I can't tell you now it's Twitter, which is a toxic crucible. Right. It is like literally just an avenue for outrage for everybody who doesn't have what it takes to say it to somebody's face. And that's probably a good thing. I can't tell you how many people are attacking me with violent words for making the point that we need to learn how to treat each other better. We are talking about a really entrenched thing in this culture, are we not? We are, and I think there's a tough question
5: to have that people will think is un-American. So as somebody who served for so long, let me be un-American. We, there is a distinction between free speech and hate speech. Others in places like Europe has figured have figured this out. When someone in this country says they hate an immigrant, they hate a black person, they hate a white person, we, see, we say that's accepted speech and that you should be protected for that. If you want to protest in Charlottesville, Virginia, in some ways that that's protected speech. As an American citizen, I don't buy that. I don't think hate, spe- hate speech is free speech. And if we want to, I know we're far afield from what happened in Virginia Beach, but if we want to say we hate people, I think we ought to protect organizations like social media who want to stop that stuff. Hate speech is not free speech, Chris, in my opinion.
1: I hear you with it. But look, and I know you know this. And, you know, for those of you who don't know Phil that well, I do. He knows as well as you that it is protected speech by the Supreme Court. And interestingly, Jimmy, the evolution of our jurisprudence has gone the other way. If you go back to a seminal case uh, of early First Amendment speech, it was that judges were saying, you don't get to say whatever you want, whenever you want. Talk about my mama. Types of rules. Um, You know, the hate speech, we're fighting words, but we've moved away from that. We've become more inclusive with speech because
4: we don't want thoughts censored in American society. It's always the argument about the continuum. You know, we want civil liberties. We want right to privacy. We want all of our amendments, you know, our First Amendment, Second Amendment, all the rest of them. But we also want to keep people safe, and we've got to find a sweet spot there. Chris, my wife is a deputy county attorney for an upstate New York county, and one of the biggest things her office does is goes into schools to teach about cyberbullying. It is happening at ridiculously young ages, and social media is the is the avenue for it. We love it. It's 21st century technology. We need it. We get our news from that. We get, you know, we communicate with people to wonderful platform but it's also something that again in young kids elementary school kids middle school kids are using that as a vehicle to go after each other look,
1: and we've seen a shift over time too uh, phil i mean you know depending on what stats you want to pick and ironically we don't really keep violence uh, and gun violence stats the way we should um, but you know look we, we see it and people can dismiss it as social media you know, at first, oh, well, they're just talking on social media. It's just talk. It's just hype. That's just how they are there. Yeah. Next thing you know, people are taking the bait, showing up at your house. And the Next sure. thing you know, then they want to get into a confrontation face to face. And they think that their body is going to be able to cash checks that their mouths are writing. And then ultimately you get to people who why not use a weapon? Why not use a weapon? If you have access to it and you're that angry and you don't have any confidence to resolve a matter any other way, Why are we so surprised that we keep seeing this?
5: Well, and then uh, I'm sorry, I think we're going to the the press conference. I'll let you go, Chris.
1: All right. So here's the governor coming out now. Let's take the press conference. I'll be back with you guys afterwards. Here's the Virginia governor in the aftermath of the latest mass shooting in Virginia Beach. Eleven people dead, six still fighting for their lives in the hospital.
7: evening. This is a horrific day for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Our hearts ache over the senseless violence that has been inflicted upon the Virginia Beach community today. My deepest condolences and prayers go to the families of those who left home this morning and will not return tonight. They were all someone's child, and many were someone's parent. They were heading into the summer weekend. That they should be taken in this manner is the worst kind of tragedy. Their families are facing painful loss and grief. They each leave a hole in a family, in their neighborhood, in this community, and in our commonwealth. We mourn with their loved ones, but sympathy doesn't fill that hole. We must take care of these families. These horrific tragedies test our souls. Grief doesn't pass quickly. It lasts far beyond these coming days, and these families will need support in the months and years to come. I'm also praying for those who were injured in this tragedy and hoping for their full recovery. Along with the pain of their own injuries, they face the loss of their coworkers and their friends. I wanna commend the local and state law enforcement officers the first responders, the medical teams, and all others who acted swiftly to respond to this situation. Their actions likely saved lives, and they have experienced scenes and injuries no one should ever have to face. My thoughts continue to be with the victims and their families. To them and to the city of Virginia Beach, I offer the full support of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Tonight, we are all about Virginia Beach. I'd like now I'd like to turn the podium over to our mayor of Virginia Beach, Mayor Dyer.
2: Today is Virginia Beach's darkest hour. A senseless crime happened and imposed tremendous grief upon the people of Virginia Beach, the Commonwealth, and this country. When we get through the shock of it all, and we get through the details that we must go through over the next day or two, I believe that our community, Virginia Beach, along with our neighbors and our other cities and Hampton Roads and our Commonwealth and our country, will be there for not only the families, because that's when they're gonna need us going forward. But we're gonna show that Virginia Beach is a city of resolve and dedication. And, you know, uh, we are going to be there for all the families, the friends and our community in a big way. And for that, I thank you. And I would like to turn this over to Chief Severo for an update.
8: As I said earlier this evening, as we are able to gather more information, we will give that information out. So this is the additional information that I have at this time. Again, it will probably change a little and it may increase as we move forward as we're investigating this case. Right now, we have a team of investigators, detectives from the city of Virginia Beach being assisted by forensic technicians from the FBI and the state police in processing this most horrific scene. We are in the process of identifying the victims and making notification to their families. I can tell you that we do have an additional victim to report. We now have 12. One victim um, succumbed to the injuries on the way to the hospital. We also have four additional victims being treated at area hospitals, and we have reports that others may have self-transported. So as we get more information on that, we will begin to release it. Our process is always to notify family members prior to releasing names. We do know who the suspect is. We have not been successful in notifying certain family members. Once we are able to do that, we will release his name once. We're going to mention his name once, and then he will be forever referred to as the suspect, because our focus now is the dignity and respect to the victims in this case and to their families. I can tell you that when the initial call came out of an active shooter in Building 2, Building number two in our city houses, information technology, planning, public works and public utilities, plus a printing operation. This building has the potential of having over 400 city workers at one time or other in the building. When the original call came out, immediately four officers responded. Two are seasoned veteran supervisors from the detective bureau, And we have two canine handlers who are assigned to our special operations unit. They immediately made entry into the building. Due to the sound of gunfire, they were able to locate the floor in which the suspect was committing his carnage. They immediately engaged with the suspect. And I can tell you that it was a long gun battle between those four officers and that suspect. We've recovered a 45 caliber handgun with multiple extended magazines that were emptied at the time. The suspect was reloading extended magazines in that handgun firing at victims throughout the building and at our officers. I want you to know that during this gun battle, basically the officers stopped this individual from committing more carnage in that building. When the suspect went down due to due to his injuries, our officers then immediately rendered first aid as they were removing him from the building to the waiting EMS personnel. And I need to say that a second time, even though he involved, he was involved in in a long term moving gun battle with these officers. When he went down, they did what cops do and they rendered first aid to this individual. He succumbed to his wound. We have found victims on all three floors of the building, as as well as one victim who was outside in a vehicle. Right now, as many as 90 people have sought support from the Family Assistance Center. And again, we are in the process. Our, Our goal now is to identify everyone in that building as quick as we can so we can make the proper notifications to the families of those victims. Do we have any questions, Chief? You were saying
0: uh, outside. What was the relation to the victim outside? I was. I mean, not the relation, but what did you say it was the vehicle? I just wanted to clarify.
8: An, an, an individual was in his vehicle when the suspect shot him.
0: Chief, there are reports that this was a disgruntled employee. Had he been recently fired? Or were there any indications <clears throat> of any workplace trouble?
8: I have no information at this time as to the background of the individual, other than he's a city employee. Again, as we work through all of this, we'll be able to give more information at a later time. And was
4: current up until the shooting.
8: That's correct.
0: Chief, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So he started shooting victims outside before entering the building?
8: There was one victim outside. He entered the building. He was armed with a forty five caliber handgun that had a suppressor on it. Can you tell us more about the extended magazine? I'm sorry? Can you tell us more about the magazine? They're extended magazines. In other words, they they have more ammunition than a regular magazine. With apologies, Chief, in terms of the
2: numbers, 12 people were killed, and then the government was the 13th person who was killed. Or is that the number?
8: We have 12 victims, victims and a deceased suspect.
0: Thank you,
4: sir. Chief, were any of the victims
0: targeted, or was all of this uh, random?
8: At this time, I. I I can't uh, comment on that as we work through the investigation.
0: Do we know if all victims were city employees?
8: I cannot give you that because we are in the process of identifying the victims.
1: The uh, numbers have changed a little bit. I just want to make sure we're straight on the number of uh, victims who uh, were taken to hospitals. Uh, Can we just get the sum total of what that number is now?
8: Well, I originally reported we had 11 victims. We have an additional. One victim did not. Uh, succumb to the wounds on the way to the hospital or at the hospital, and I am told that we have four others at the hospital right now going through surgeries.
1: So my math brings that to nine.
8: Uh, well, your math would, would say that we have 12 deceased.
1: Yes, sir. I, so I thought this, I just don't want to make an error, but before you said that there were uh, six injured? Injured.
8: I did. Yes. And again, that was the information that I had at that time. It's been updated.
6: So, so now so it's ten, ten injured.
8: No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Four. Right. We have 12 deceased. Two of the deceased. six injured succumbed. Right. We have 12 deceased, <clears throat> and we have four who are injured. Who are currently... Um, going through... Right, yes, going first. through surgery.
0: Chief, have police, have police had the opportunity to search the shooter's home, and have they found anything that's been of interest, like in, additional weapons?
8: We're in the process of continuing our investigation at this time.
0: Were any other weapons found at the scene There reports that there was a rifle there as well?
8: And... We're, at the pro- we're in the process of continuing the event. That's the best I'm going to be able to tell you at this moment.
0: Jim, can you elaborate more on the extensive gun battle between the
4: officers and the shooter?
8: I can tell you that um, it was numerous shots fired by the individual. Shots were fired um, from various places down the hallway that the officers uh, at, at one time returned. Uh, basically, their, their, uh, the ammunition that they had so when we talk about this kind of a situation and many times when we talk about an officer involved shooting situation, it may be a, um, minimal rounds by the suspect and by the police officers, this was well beyond that. This was a long term the best I could describe it is it was a long term gun battle for police officers. Can you put into the timeline how long I the can't is? I can't give you seconds and minutes because we don't you know we don't have a stopwatch when we we're engaged in this. Do you know the time
1: of the suspect's
8: death? I'm sorry? Do you
1: know what
8: time the suspect died? Shortly after we entered the building and confronted him. So the, the call came out at right after 4 p.m., so it would be somewhere uh, after that. We don't have the exact time right now.
6: Can you tell us about security
0: around these government buildings? How many police there are normally there, and are, are people allowed to enter these buildings with weapons?
8: Um, the individual in question is an employee. He has access to the building. He came in with a weapon today.
6: So he would not have been
1: checked?
8: Over- <clears throat> no, he would not have been.
1: Chief, was any officers injured?
8: One officer did sustain uh, a wound during the gun battle. Fortunately, his bulletproof vest basically saved his life. And um, we did, he was uh, seen, he was attended to at the scene but then uh, we then brought him to the hospital afterwards to make sure that everything is okay with the officer.
2: Chief, when you say suppressor, uh, uh, is, is that a silencer, is that the same
8: thing? It's a suppressor. It's a sound suppressor.
0: Was the gun recovered legally obtained?
8: Um, we're working through ATF at this time. It's part of our investigation.
0: And at police, as your department recently, I know in the past you have prepared for a scenario like this, I mean, how recently was the last time you prepared for
8: this? We train continuously. We train not only as first responders for police, but we train with fire and we train with our EMS personnel because we know that when you have a major scene like this, you're going to need all first responders uh, into that particular area. So we do train extensively both on what we call tabletop exercises as well as an all-hands-on exercise in a building. So I can tell you that... We do train extensively, and how many weeks or months prior, I I can't give you the exact number, but our officers and our EMS personnel and our fire personnel are highly qualified, unfortunately, in a situation of an active shooter case.
2: So So Chief, there were, of the four officers who entered, two were detectives and two were members of the K-9? K-9,
8: that's correct. Thank
2: you.
8: Okay, thank you. Um, Just one final thing. Um, I've said it before, and and you heard the governor and the mayor speak of it. Um, We have numerous victims, and we have numerous families. Let's make sure that we keep their dignity and their respect as the number one piece of news that we're going to give out. And I know that our our local media um, always abides by because their lives are changed forever. The folks who work in that building, their lives are changed I have a number of officers right now who are processing through what best could be described as a war zone. Their lives are going to be changed. Thank you. Thank you. you.
0: Can I ask a quick
1: question? The last part of that information, probably the most relevant for us as we're all once again as a country processing another mass shooting. Be good to one another. Be sensitive. Be kind. To the people in that community, obviously, in Virginia Beach, who are processing the loss of loved ones. And now we know four are in the hospital, 12 have been lost. Be kind. It's time now for more coverage from CNN. There are a lot of unanswered questions. Don Lemon picks up the coverage right now.
0: Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.